about to celebrate, but I mean, I mean, we are celebrating. As you're hopping on, take the link, send it to someone you know. Yes, guys, if you missed yesterday's broadcast, you need to go back and watch yeah. it. It was phenomenal. And today we are continuing that word. We are going to be talking about how to get your victory and rest. So that's going to be happening at the top of the hour. So take the link, send it to someone you know, and yeah. literally just go reach out to people. If people are normally on in the comments and you don't see them, Start texting them. Be like, where are you at? Hop on. It's time yeah. to hang out at Lunch Plus. And we've got a great episode for you. Wednesdays are some of my favorite days. We get to do the, not the great match game, the five-second five challenge. Seconds. Bible trivia. It's going to be so much fun. Hannah, Hannah hopped on. She's like, it's my favorite time of day. Aww. So cute. Mind you. Serena just put in good vibes. I am assuming it's, it's an emoji that didn't come through. Yes. Because I don't have ever heard Serena say the word vibes. Ever. No, no, it's on the YouTube chat. It just doesn't come through our thing. But he said, Let me look, see it's it our friendly like. neighborhood, Abby and Barrett. Kevin says, Guten Morgen. That's cute. And then Grayson says, same, Hannah. It's Grayson's oh. favorite time of day. It's good. Whoa. Serena. <laughs> Way to put up a peace sign. Great job. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Hannah says, I accidentally put the stream in slow motion, and that was intense. <laughs> I've never done that, and now I really want to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won't 
do that for the rest of the time. But it's family chat right now. We want you to answer along with us answers to the questions that we put up on the screen. And the person who helps us get to 100 comments first, you get a gift card on us. So yeah. it's a win-win. We get to hang out with you. You get free stuff from us. It's just, it's a good day. And yeah. I am... I, you know, if there's a comment during family chat that makes us laugh especially a lot, I may send you something free just because it's Wednesday. So, <gasps> Woo! Look, what did Buddy just put? Chill, chill with, yeah. chill with cat. Oh, it's a cat Aww. in a box. What's a cat oh, in a box? Oh, it is a cat in a box. Buddy, where'd you find a cat in a box? Cat in a hat? Uh, Buddy says, I'm curious how this shows up in the chat. <laughs> okay, first first uh, comment or comment question. First question, question of the day. What's your I'm favorite excited. dinosaur? Ooh, I have an answer to this. So this is something everyone has a favorite dinosaur. It's true. I've found at least out of the people that like I've heard about, like that I've asked, <laughs> most everyone about. like only like two percent of people don't have a favorite dinosaur. It's just a thing. Everyone has one. proven. Statistics. <laughs> Guys, mine is a Triceratops. Kelly! Hello! Hi, Kelly! Um, Triceratops is yours? Yep. Triceratops is mine! <gasps> what? It used to be a Stegosaurus, but I switched in college, and it's a Triceratops. It's, I did a project on the Triceratops in like kindergarten, and it's been the Triceratops ever since. Also, they're so cool. Do you guys remember the Land Before Time yes, movies? I was Marky remembers. She is here. <laughs> I never saw it. The, uh, Marky says, whichever the Land Before Time one is. Uh, now, are you talking know. about Long Neck? Yeah. Brontosaurus? Long, sure. sure. Yeah. Marky's favorite <laughs> is Long Neck, and he's a Brontosaurus. Uh, the Land Before Time was an excellent <laughs> movie series when I was a child. Does it hold up still? Uh, I don't know. Kelly said the exact same thing. And Serena says the long-necked one that eats trees. Yes. Johnny says T-Rex. Kelly says little foot. Buddy says Apatosaurus. Which one is that? <laughs> I forgot. Grayson says is Leoplorodon. Is a Leoplorodon the dinosaur? Yeah. Now, I have a question for you. Does Dylan call you his little Leoplorodon because of the Charlie videos on Facebook? It's a Leoplorodon, Charlie. Like, is that where it comes from for Dylan? Because I have lots... I, I, Mad respect if that's where it is. It's okay. This is I don't, I'm this lost. is a generation gap for us. <laughs> um, Kevin says a beardosaurus. Very well nice. done. <laughs> uh, Buddy says Kelly and Marky Littlefoot is an apostasaur. <gasps> is a Sure. Apostasus. An apost I went into the Greek word for fettuccine saurus. <laughs> uh, Hannah says Littlefoot. Okay. Before I even read Grayson's comment, I was about to say Ducky was always my favorite on Land Before Time. And she says, I think Ducky from Land Before Time is my favorite. Same. Ducky was the cute little one with the long... Oh, I loved her. We need... When the media fast is over, yeah, we'll show we you Land Before Time. We have a whole thing that the girls and I need to watch through. Yeah. Like Lizzie, Lizzie McGuire movie. Now the land before time. There are more on there. There are definitely more. There was one I was going to show y'all. Rocky. Oh, Rocky got added this morning. <laughs> uh, a lot. There's a lot. Grayson <laughs> says there's a very high chance that that is indeed the source. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Oh. I love the pickets. All right, we have a question number two for you guys today. Who were you named after? This. I'm hoping this isn't a security question, so if it is, don't answer. But... 
If it isn't, then we would like to know. Like, it's just interesting. And if you're not named after anyone, that is a-okay. You're original. We want to know that, too. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. You're in, you're a, what's it? Yeah, original, I guess. Kelly says, said. Kelly says, which one was the sassy girl dino? Ducky. That was Ducky. Uh, Grayson's here to say, Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> Who has not seen Lizzie McGuire movie? Hello. This one. I've seen the ending so many times, though. Like, I know what it is. I know what happens. I've seen like the music video and everything at the end. I just haven't seen the beginning. Uh, Sydney says Sarah was the Triceratops. Oh, oh, oh. Bringing in the puns that Land Before Time had that we didn't know when we were five. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, Mark, he's here to start answering. Mark Dunphy, her papa. Yep, so that's who she was named after. Yep. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah in the Bible. Not. Buddy, it's not a security question. That's Wait. good. <laughs> I've done this at least three times today. I'm pretty sure it's because I've spent time with Buddy that I'm doing his decent thing. Um, Sydney says, O.J. Simpson's daughter. Interesting. Yes. I didn't know he had a daughter named Sydney. Yeah, I either. also just blended the Kardashians in with O.J. because that was his lawyer. So I was like, which Kardashian are you? Kim? Chloe? And that's as far as I went. It's I didn't know that was the lawyer. Yeah, he was one of them. He had a whole team of them. <laughs> um, Serena says, my great-grandma... Johanna? It, is it Johanna or Johanna? Johanna. Serena. And then Johnny says, I'm not answering this one live. <laughs> okay, tell well. us later. <laughs> and then Kevin says, my name means handsome king. Aw, that's, that's nice. nice. Are you an original... Kelly says that she was named after the movie Kelly's Heroes. I've never heard of it. Me neither. That's, nice. That's gonna be added to our list. Buddy uh, says my real name is after my dad's dad. My nickname is after my mom's dad. So for uh, those of you who don't know, Buddy's real name is Glenn Bernard Crabtree the third. So that's when he says his real name, he's talking about Glenn. Yeah. And then Gray says, this is funny, so I was supposed to be a boy named Graham, and then I was a girl, so my mom chose Grayson after a model on America's, text not, <laughs> America's Next Top Model live show from the 90s. I know which model that was, Grayson, because oh, I watched that TV show. My goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. Wow. I, I never would have known. I was named after Elizabeth Barrett Browning, the poet. My mom really liked her, and so I got the, the weird part of the name. Not Elizabeth. But I like Barrett. Like, I like it. Who else do you know that's a girl <laughs> that's named Barrett? I've never met a one, so I'm I'm a standalone. Me neither. Me neither. Or a boy, honestly, named Barrett. I've been neither. a couple of those. Really? Mm -hmm. But it's always spelled different. I didn't know it existed. Double R's, E's, double T's, whole bunch of stuff. <gasps> Whoa. I I am Miriam Abigail, and that was after Miriam is like the long version of Mary. So I'm not named after Miriam Moses' sister because she was kind of like not nice all the time. So I'm just putting that out there. Like if you're reading and like, oh wow, I'm so sad that Abby's named after this lady. I'm not. It's I after have to think like, that every time yeah, I mean, get to Miriam. Me too. Because I'm like, oh, it's me. I'm like, oh, I'm glad it's not me sometimes. But but after Mary and then Abigail, of course. Abigail in the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> Kelly says, that's awesome. And then Kevin says, Grayson, I had no idea that reality TV show was older than you are. It's true. Wow. It's, it was a long one. Grayson says, I also do not know a girl named Grayson. Really? Fun fact. Um, we've had some questions. Like, as we've been commenting to Grayson, they've, like, looked you up, Gray, and they're like, 
it's a girl. I thought it was going to be a boy. <laughs> but you get to be a unique one, too. It's you and me. You and me with the boy names. Holden Strong. <laughs> I like both of them. I like both of those names. Me, too. It fits you very well. Aw. Well, we are going into five-second challenge today, guys. Then after that, we have confessions, Bible trivia, then a powerful word, how to get your victory in rest. It's going to be amazing. You are not going to want to miss any of it. So as we're transitioning, make sure that you share this broadcast with your friends, family, like, subscribe if you haven't, and we'll be back in like five seconds. We're just bringing the marking. I mean, that's all I we're mean, doing. Five seconds, maybe, <laughs> for the five-second challenge. I don't know. We'll try. parts of the week. I am very excited today because I have a really weird uh, five second challenge thing today. Um, <laughs> Just saying it like it's new. They're all weird. A little bit. And that's Lots true. of them are like weird anyway. You know, that is really true. Like but do that's you why we like it. What? Well, okay, I'm curious. What has been your favorite five second challenge category so far or your least favorite? Because honestly, sometimes the least favorite ones, people get more passionate about that. That's true. Can we do dinosaurs? Can you imagine having to explain I don't, dinosaurs? I, I, I wouldn't know. Like, I, I couldn't play that. I don't know dinosaurs that well. I don't know their names. So. I feel like it'd be a really fun disillusionment of friendship between all of us. Of It's the long one. I don't know. But it's the long that would be one. awful. That would be awful to watch that. Uh, Lisa Lamb says, good afternoon from work in New London. Hello. Oh, Kelly Berardi. Kelly says, no. yeah, not weird, unique. Yes, okay, <laughs> so today's category, you're going to have to do this a little bit differently than normal because it's just different. Today's category is, uh, you can put it up, commonly used numbers. What? <laughs> like area code? No, what? no, no, you have to try to explain a number. And you can't, I have two rules, and we may have more rules as we go, as we de as it develops, I don't know. Uh, those are the but, best games. <laughs> Yay! The rules that go. The, the rules just keep growing. <laughs> no, okay, so one rule is you cannot say the, the number before it or after it, and you cannot use your hands, your fingers, to show numbers. Okay. Now, you're gonna have to try, though, because subconsciously, like, you're gonna want to use your number, your, your you hands. Your numbers. Like, if you're someone that talks with your hands, you're gonna want to use your hands. You can't do uh, that, though. So you can't cheat, but you... Uh, I will also give you a hint. I tried and legitimately picked commonly used numbers. I didn't just put random numbers out there. I tried <laughs> to use numbers also that if you want to, you can find in the Bible somewhat of like finding, like use like biblical basis of how you're gonna explain it, just as a hint. You don't have to do it that way. You can do it whatever way you want, but I try, I only pick numbers that I knew that I could find a way to explain it. Sure, sure. We will see, sure. if yeah. I, we'll see if we can do it in under five <laughs> seconds. If we can do it in five seconds, I'll extend it to 10. Yay! So uh, we're seeing what the favorite ones. Okay, Kevin's favorite five second challenge category so far has been pants. 
Hannah, we did different types of cuts of pants and stuff. Uh, Hannah said her favorite so far was miscellaneous drawer. Really? Aww. Uh, really said breads. breads. Amen. Oh, I didn't see that comment. Oh, I see. I, see. I enjoy breads a lot. That one was nice. Um, bottles was uh, probably Buddy's and Barrett's least favorite because they were not happy with the type of bottle, like what I what I categorized as a bottle. But because anyway. they were cups. <laughs> I, I needed more, okay? I needed more cat. I needed more things. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to move into commonly used numbers. Who, wait, who would like to go first? I will. Sure. Like you'll guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you'll look, look I'll look first. So you're okay. not gonna look. Okay, okay, let's put up our first one out on the screen. Oh, uh, five. I just seven, forgot what 19, happened. 19, three digits. The first three digit one. One hundred. Does that count? <laughs> Is that against the rules? No, that's not against the rules. I forgot what happened with 100 we at all say, during all of society. It, it, that one necessarily wasn't, necess it wasn't necessarily a, a Bible one because you could say, well, I, mean, I love that you are telling us how easy it is because you have the examples already in my your mind head that you would just use. went blank. You I know there's a lot. There's you could a, say I a century. Like, yeah, I could have said that. You could say a century. That's why, Thank you, Kevin. That's why I thought that one would be easy. Just a century. Oh, a hundred. Like, it would have if my mind didn't blank. It's okay. It's okay. And that's why it just keeps it fun and exciting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Okay. okay. Um, take the number you just gave me uh -huh. and multiply it by ten. A thousand! Yeah, man. <laughs> I bet yeah. you. I bet you want to do math so bad right now. I literally yes. had to risk whether or not you were going to like flag me for for doing math. Flag like, on the play. No, no, that's all. I that is all <laughs> math fine. Math is that, allowed. The okay. only thing, the only thing I said is that you can't use your hands True. and you can't use the number before and after. You can explain it. Any other way that you want to explain it. Okay. I like that okay. all the people are very okay. creative. Like they Kevin are. was also there for Century. Hannah, when going back to the hundred, Benjamin. she's like Benjamins. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Kelly was like Millennium. That's for the thousand. Yeah. Great job. Y'all are genius. See, there are ways. There are ways to <laughs> Thank explain. you. Thank you. I'll I'll give you ten seconds. Okay. Ten, seconds. ten okay. seconds. Okay. I'm ready. Oh oh oh! This goes with like. Like 11 at a gas station. Seven. <laughs> you weren't going to pick the biblical one for seven? Uh, like seven days. Don't judge her. <laughs> she got it. <laughs> oh, we. Good job. Yeah. Not judging. <laughs> Smurfy. You did so great. You got it. So I will give you, I will, I will give you uh, a two points. Am I counting these points? No. 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 But I will give you two points if you <laughs> can do it under five seconds. Pastor, Pastor said lucky. I'm assuming like lucky, lucky number. It's a lu lucky, lucky number, number seven. seven. I I also read it at first like lucky she got that. Like <laughs> I read it as a rose. It was lucky. just luck. Yes. So uh, can one, we count in Spanish? There was no rule that said that we couldn't. Is this one of the rules that if gets you, added? If you know another language that has these numbers, I will let you. I took that, Spanish three. Latin. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you Evan do that. Evan say. Evan say. I'll let you do that. Because that takes some skill to, to, to know another language. I'll let you do that. Okay, so you get one point if you get it uh, in what, 10 seconds, two if you get it under five seconds. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. ready for next one. Uh, Trace. Three! <laughs> I just got really nervous that I wouldn't remember all of my Spanish classes. Good job, you remembered Spanish! 
is. I went for the points. I was like, I'm gonna get two. Points. I'm not gonna go for a creative one. I'm gonna count in Spanish. I'm glad that one wasn't the like thousand. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me I too. Don't I don't know what that is. Okay, are you ready for the next yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, we got okay. this. Okay. Um, um, the unlucky number minus Three, one. Six, 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 two. What? Uh, Twelve. <laughs> I went. <laughs> okay, so I did above it, but I did it like with a clue. Does that count? Oh yeah, you did. I literally said you can't say the number but above it. I didn't it. say it. I just gave a clue to it. Then I used math. Um. What happens with oh I, the disciples? I could have said that. Yeah, Thanks, Kelly. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, it's okay. Um, Oops. I'll, I'll let that I'll, one slide. I'll I let liked it. Slide. I liked it. I'll, there was, there I'll was, go that route more. Less. It's not like it yeah. helps me. I went with three, then went to the Antichrist. Six, six, six. Well, we've been talking about six, six, six this morning. We did. I we had, did in our meeting. Yeah. Not that's Oops. not what our meeting no, was about. It was about <laughs> items I had saved on my computer. She I'm like, had I need that to saved. I need to add one more document to save it. <laughs> my computer crashed. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> okay, okay. Was bad. I'm ready. I'm looking. Is the loneliest one. number. <laughs> I was singing that song this morning. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of Ryan McKnight. Uh, one. The dumb dream come true. Two. Just wanna be with you. Three. Some no, it's playing juicy. I'm sorry. You're the only one for me now. Four. Do you guys know that song? Put it in the comments if you do. Okay, let's go to our next number. Harrison had said Not this yet. is fun, and then we started singing and it went silent. So that's good. Sorry guys. Sorry. Okay. okay. Next number. Um. Bible. Um, Think of the Bible. A day fast. The big day 21, fast. 21, 40. Yeah. <laughs> the big one. The big one. That's all I can think of. I'm sure there's something way more momentous in the Bible that happens with, oh, like when he's in the whale. Yeah. Never mind. 40, 40 days and nights. Noah. Noah's Ark. I just thought of fasting. Is on the Ark? Huh? Uh -huh. Didn't they eat on the ark? No, they had 40 days. I'm saying, I bet there's something a lot simpler. I was like, what do you mean they didn't eat no. for a long time? 40 days of fasting on the ark. They could have done that. I never thought about that. Imagine how hangry they would get, like being trapped in the ship and then not eating anything. Well, and they had the animals, but they couldn't eat them. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's, okay, let's go to our, okay. who's looking? You're looking? Let's go to our next number. Uh, take the number you just had, multiply uh -huh. it by three. 120? <laughs> yes! Yay, math. <laughs> I held my fingers up when I said multiply by three, That's but fine. it wasn't It wasn't a. the number. Okay. It's good. Exciting. Oh, Grayson just won our hundredth <gasps> Yay! What'd she say? Quarenta. Isn't that 40? Yeah. Oh. In Spanish? Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah! Fancy. Look, you did it. Congratulations. And Grayson, because you were fancy with your counting, we're also going to give you a copy of Ted Shuttlesworth Jr.'s book, Fasting, The Biblical Guide to Fasting. We're going to give that to you as well. And Ooh. guys, we may just do that throughout the week whenever whenever the mood strikes us to give it away. That's so exciting. Keep your comments coming. Okay. okay. Well, with that, we are going to move on to confessions now. Are you ready? Thanks for playing yeah. the five-second challenge. Moving on to confessions.
each and every day because it's so important to confess the Word of God over your life daily. Daily put in the Word. Daily speak the Word over your life because it changes your life. It changes circumstances. The Bible, the Word works. So let's put our first confession of the day up on the screen and let's say it together. Every weapon formed against us is exposed, will not prosper, and is destroyed. And even though we have these confessions that we pick them each and every day, you can say all, is it eight? Eight of them? You can, it would be great to say all eight of them every single day over your life. Now let's go on to our next confession for the year, the word of the Lord, the, the word that the Lord has given us over this year. Make sure to say this every day. It's our year of multiplied increase. You're going to hear us talking about this and you're going to see it manifesting because it is our word for the year. It's, it's awesome. So thank you for joining us for Confessions. Now we're moving on to Bible trivia. Are you ready? You can win gift cards. You can play a game. We're going to be uh, giving Bible questions. It's going to be awesome. So moving on to Bible trivia right now. this segment's going to go. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to give you five, five, five multiple choice questions. And what we want you guys to do is we want you to put your answers in the comments. And if you're the first person to give the correct answer in the comments, uh, you get a gift card on us. And if you want a gift card, you can claim that gift at whatsright.com slash gift. But we also want to let you know in the comments, what we want you to do is we want you to put the number of the question first and then A, B, C, or D. That way we know which question you're answering. All right, well, let's jump in to our first Bible trivia question of the day. Let's dive in. All right, who was Moses' father-in-law? Was it A, Jethro? Was it B, Jehoshaphat? Was it C, Jehoiakim? Or was it D, Jairo? Or Jairo? Or Gyro? Or, I don't even know. Guys, how do you pronounce that word? Put it in the comments. Uh, after you put in your Bible trivia answer. I see the answers coming in, and they're coming in quick. Becca says, Piper is dancing to the Bible trivia music. I actually was playing a little bit of bass to the Bible trivia music myself. It was awesome. All right, let's put up the correct answer. It is A, Jethro, and that goes to Dylan Pickett. Congratulations, Dylan. You just won a gift card on Bible Trivia. Also, guys, yeah, genuinely, how do you pronounce that, that fourth word? Is it? Oh, well, Baird said she just looked it up, and it's coming. Um, anyway, question number two. Let's put question number two up on it. Question number two. Oh, Kelly says gyro. Uh, Grayson says gyro is how she always said it. All right, well, anyway, question number two. What is the Greek? Ah, Greek. Ah, because, yeah, you know, it's a Greek food. What is the Greek word for the God kind of love? Is it A, Eros, 
Is it B, phileo? Is it C, agape? Or is it D, storge? What is the Greek word for the God kind of love? Um, Barry, did you show up? Oh, interesting. She said it's gyro, and Kevin also said gyro. All right, I see the comments coming in. They're coming in quickly. All right, what's the correct answer? What is the Greek word for the God kind of love? It is C, agape. And that goes to, guess who? Dylan Pickett. Congratulations, Dylan. You just got another gift card. Two gift cards for Dylan Pickett. Two for you. Good job, Dylan. All right, let's put up question number three. Question number three. How did Elisha get the axe head out of the river? A, did he pray? B, did he rebuke the axe? C, did he pour flour in the river? Or D, did he throw a stick in the river? How did Elisha get the axe head out of the river? Did he pray? Did he rebuke the axe? Did he pour flour in the river? Or did he throw a stick in the river? Put your answers in the comments right now. Let's see what we got for you. Let's put up the correct answer. It was D, he threw a stick in the river. And that goes to Kelly Berardi. Congratulations, Kelly. You just won a gift card on us. Congratulations. All right, guys, we have two more questions for you today. Let's put up question number four. Question number four, who were the two spies who entered the promised land? So there were two spies that were able to actually enter in to the promised land as promised. Who were they? Was it A, Jonathan and David? Was it B, Joshua and Caleb? Was it C, Stephen and Andrew? Or was it D, Sherlock and Watson? Put your answers in the comments right now. Who were the two spies who were able to inherit the promised land? Uh, I see the answers coming in. What was it? Let's put it up on the screen. It was B, Joshua and Caleb. Congratulations, Grayson Pickett. That one goes to you. Congratulations, Grayson. All right, guys, we have one more Bible trivia for you. Are you going to get it? Are you going to get this last gift card? Let's find out as we put it up on the screen. Number five, who did Jesus see fall like lightning? Was it A, Babylon? Was it B, the temple? Was it C, Satan? Or was it D, the moon? Who did Jesus say he saw fall like lightning? Was it Babylon? Was it the temple? Was it Satan? Or was it the moon? Put your answers in the comments right now. Who did Jesus see fall like lightning? Let's put it up on the screen. It was C, Satan. And congratulations, Dylan Pickett. You are the first one to get that correct. Congratulations, Dylan. And congratulations to all of our winners. If you want a gift card today, you can claim your gift at whatsright.com slash gift. Congratulations, guys. We love you. Now we're moving on to what's the word. Today we're going to be, yesterday we had a powerful word where we were talking about the power of rest. Today we're going to be continuing that as we're talking about how to get your victory in rest. It's going to be phenomenal. Take these next few moments, share the broadcast, and we'll see you in just a second for What's the Word.
Hello guys, welcome to What's Word. So good to see you again today. Were you blessed by yesterday's message? Um, I heard a lot of uh, testimonies about it that people were really blessed and praise God. That's what we're going after. And uh, the Lord is setting people free. He's taking them to new levels. This is our year of multiplied increase. Are you receiving it? Uh, right now, drop it in the comments. Who is watching? Where are you watching from? And uh, we just praise God for you today. We're excited to be here with you. Like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, help us. We're believing the Lord this year to go over 1,000 subscribers. And uh, so we're at like 249 right now. Who's going to be 250? And uh, anyway, help us get there. Partner with us to get there. And let's jump in. Let's see who is here today. I see... Dun, 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 dun. I saw the pickets win all the gift cards. That was pretty cool. And uh, let's see. Rebecca said she loves how Buddy is pronouncing things today. Two and moon. <laughs> Grayson, Grayson says, word time. John Culbertson, Pastor John, he says, I'm listening. And uh, Serena said, yes, I was listening to yesterday's message again this morning. And uh, Pastor John, we're praying for your dad and uh, your family right now, we are lifting them up and agreeing with you. And uh, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, let your power and your love in the name of Jesus, let it go to work now in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Bodies be well, be healed, be whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Pastor John, we agree with you right now. We thank God uh, for that victory and that breakthrough. All right, let's see who else is here. Uh, Serena said, yes, I was listening yesterday, uh, yesterday's message. And again, this morning, amen, that's awesome. Uh, Grayson says, I was thinking yesterday, uh, meantime, mean, meantime. <laughs> that's, or Mark, you said that. Uh, Joni said, hi, from Baden. Kevin Nowicki, watching from Liberty Church Road in Oakboro. Good to see you. Kelly Brardy. yes, last year was just an appetizer to this year. Uh, Sydney says, Sydney from Albemarle. Hello, Sydney. Good to see you online. Grayson. Grayson and Sis from Monroe. Johnny, hello from Tuckertown. And uh, hallelujah. John, Pastor John said, thank you. You are so very welcome. If you are here and you have not said hello yet, definitely uh, drop a line in the comments. Say hello to us so that we can recognize you. And uh, let's jump in today. So yesterday we talked about how to apply the power of, of rest. One of the things that I want to uh, do is go over what we actually looked at. We talked about seven points yesterday. I don't know if these will pop in the comments well, but we can try. Let's try it. So that way I can give it to you. Oh, no, it's not going to do that. I can see it. We'll do that one. We'll do it in two parts. See here. I'm going to send it out to you real quick and then we'll jump in. There we go. That's, I think, one through four. Is that correct? Did I get through four? Okay. And then I'll send five, six, and seven. So yesterday we talked about how to enter into rest and we talked about how to apply God's rest. And so we talked about these things. Part uh, one, how to enter. Choose what the Spirit is saying instead of the flesh. Two, 
come to Jesus. In other words, don't just sit back. We have to come to Jesus. A lot of people are sitting there waiting for Jesus to come to them, God to come to them. We have to go to him. Go to church. Get to the altar when it's time. Learn how to humble, our, humble ourselves to Jesus and to receive from him. Three, do it God's way. Four, think on things worthy of praise. Five, don't receive that deception, the deception that it's hard. Don't, you know, There's a deception that everything's so hard. Don't receive that. It's not hard. In Christ, it's easy and light. Uh, six, don't harden your heart. And seven, trust him, trust God absolutely with all your heart in every area. Many times this is, uh, this is where people will fall and where they'll fail and where it will get hard and heavy. We talked about yesterday the power of rest. I know in, in my life I've seen it where I wasn't in rest and then when I have been in rest, and it makes it so much easier. Uh, used to, I would have to just, you know, I'd have to put everything on the altar. I felt like I had to handle everything, uh, and I wouldn't put it on the altar properly. And I was sitting there, and it was like, ah, oh, I was just frustrated all the time. And then at one point, I was just like, you know what? It's going to work out. Why? Because God's not leading me or allowing me to be in a situation or a temptation that's greater than he and I. And in it, he is faithful. He's providing the way of escape. Not only that, if I take him by the hand, 2 Corinthians 2.14, he's leading me to triumph. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to pick up care about everything. If even one of my leaders says something to me corrective, I don't have to carry the weight of that. I just listen to it, say thank you, and I make the change. I'm not in condemnation over that. I don't have to carry the weight. I don't have to care about those things. I don't have to carry that. When, when we care, it's not that I, don't, that I don't love people. It's not that I don't have things that are important. But I'm not going to carry the weight that I'm not anointed to carry. And so I remember one uh, specific day, I was sitting in church, and uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're not having any fun. And I said, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> he said, you need to choose joy. That day, everything flipped. That day, I realized that I was trying to carry the weight. I, I think I was upset that day because people had made whatever excuse to not come to church. And uh, sometimes people have a legitimate excuse, but I found that that's rare. Most time, it's not legitimate. And here I was trying to serve people and trying to grow. And man, I was just... I was frustrated because people were not showing up by the hundreds, you know. And even the people that said, this is my home, that Boomerang's my home church, and they'd stay at home because, you know, they, whatever reason, they, they have all kinds of different reasons. Well, I just didn't feel like they, I overslept. In other words, what you're telling me is you didn't prioritize it. You didn't prioritize the command to assemble, and because of that, you're not there. I can't tell you how many times we've heard you know, even like, well, I'm not feeling good. That's not necessarily a, an excuse to miss. Do you know how many people have been healed when they didn't feel good and came to church? That's where you get healed. And the issue is that, honestly, for most people, they've not been healed in churches all of their life. And because of that, uh, that's not a reality to them. But just, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, a lady uh, that's been coming here for a long time, she knows this. She had a migraine that day. I mean, like, 
I think she got up, got in their car, started to go, went back home, and then, then decided, no, I need to be at church. Brought herself and her migraine to church, came up for prayer. When I touched her head, she said the migraine immediately uh, fell off of me. In other words, she, she could have sat at home with her migraine and kept it, or she came to church with that migraine and got it healed. And so here it was, I was sitting there that, that day and I was like, I'm trying to help people. I need people's help to be here. You know, it's, it's one of the most, as a pastor, a frustrating thing. And I'm, I'm telling you this frustration so that you can apply it to your own life and the rest. So I had this frustration where I was sitting there and it's like, I'm trying to get people uh, the help of God, but I need your help. You know, when a guest, when we have you know, five brand new guests that come in on Sunday morning and it's starting time for church and the, the sanctuary is empty because nobody's in expectation and nobody's honoring their place enough to be there to welcome guests. It's like, guys, it's not going to grow if you're not excited. This doesn't look excited. This doesn't look in expectation. Why would a guest sit here and go, wow, this place is really happening. I'm coming back here next week, you know? And uh, when there's no expectation enough to be in place and in position at starting time. So it was one of those days. <laughs> and it was one of those days. I'm in worship. I'm trying to worship. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, you're not having any fun. And I was thinking, you're right. I, I'm not. And he said, you need to choose joy. You need to choose to have fun. He was telling me to choose joy. And I went, Lord, you're right. Remember what the, what the word says? It says rejoice always. That basically means put on joy at all times. And I would say, especially when you don't feel like it, make a choice. And what I needed to do was stop trying to carry the weight of building the church myself. Stop trying to carry the weight for everybody else. Stop caring. You know, don't carry the care, right, in a, in a wrong burden type way. Stop carrying the anxiety. Stop carrying the worry. What am I saying? Rest. Go into the easy and light of God. It's going to be okay. That day, up until that day, I, I say that Boomerang had, had mad pastor. But after that day, Mad Pastor was released, and I wasn't Mad Pastor anymore. Not that I haven't had my moments. I've had my moments since then. But uh, overall, Mad Pastor went away. And, and I went, you know what? You're right. And I received the joy of the Lord and the peace and the rest of God in that moment. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, when I started getting into rest and not trying to make things happen and choose rest, choose joy, it released grace and faith into what I was working on and all of a sudden things started working. And then I realized from that moment forward that if I learn how to relax, even in the midst of a storm, that allows God access. There is an access through rest. There's an access of salvation through peace. There's an access through easy and light. But I, I have to decide I'm going to put on rest. I'm going to put on joy. If I don't decide that, 
then literally I'm giving the stiff arm to God's solutions. I'm holding him out because I've decided, no, I've got to carry the weight on it. Well, see, I can't carry the weight and I can't bear the burden like God does. I'm not anointed to carry the solutions like he is. I'm not anointed to do that. There is a power in rest and a power in the choice of rest. And to choose joy, to choose rest, to choose easy and light, all of these things, they work together. And so we have to choose that. We are not anointed to build it. We're not anointed to carry it. God's the builder of the church. God's the builder of this house. God's anointed to carry the burdens. I just turn, I go through the motions like it's me, but I give all of the responsibility to God through faith. Lord, this is yours, and I'm going to choose joy. What does Isaiah say? Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He'll give us a garland of ash, of garland for ashes, right? It's the, we have the oil of joy, right? We have an oil of joy for bitterness. When bitterness comes, when heaviness comes, we choose the rest of God. We choose it. But you notice in that passage, the whole context is, I've got to take off that bondage. I've got to take it off and say, nope, I'm not wearing this. I'm not carrying this. Put that in the comments right now. I'm not wearing the weight. I'm not wearing bitterness. I'm not going to wear heaviness. I'm going to wear joy. I'm going to wear praise. I'm going to put on praise. I'm going to put on joy. I'm going to put on the decoration of God. See, think about that. When he says garland for ashes, he's decorating you in his way. All right? So think about this. Do you think God's walking around in heaven going, Oh, God, what am I going to do about this? I don't know how this is going to happen. You know, it's almost humorous to think about God pacing up and down the streets of gold in heaven, worried about the things that we've been worried about. God's not pacing the streets of gold in heaven, worried about the stuff we're worried about. He knows that stuff's already solved. Why should I fret over it? Why should? So when he decorates us, gives us a garland for ashes, he's not giving us worry. That doesn't look like God. That doesn't look responsible. That looks worldly, not godly. When he decorates us, he decorates us with an ease. He decorates us with a joy. He decorates us with rest. We, think about it. How many times does the Bible say this? You know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, right? Then it says, I'll lie down in green pastures. My cup runs over. All of these things are the decoration of God. We're not fretting, you know, that sheep's not going, oh, God, valley of shadow of death. Ah. You know, he's not doing that. No, he's walking through it. He's going to the pasture where there's plenty to eat. And, and one of the things is sheep will lay down when they're full. So that denotes that, hey, that sheep has everything that he needs. That sheep has everything that he needs. This is who we are. This is who we're supposed to be. This, walking decorated with the glory of God, the provision of God, the rest of God. Amen? Do you receive it? Amen. I see a couple of comments. I'm not wearing the weight. Amen. Glory to God. No, don't. 
So in talking about rest, here's what's going to happen today. I'm going to go through Hebrews chapter 3 and, and chapter 4 quickly, and then I'm going to get uh, all of the guys here uh, to join with me, and let's have a conversation on what we talked about yesterday and today. So if you have questions on rest, go ahead. You can start putting those in the comments. If you have uh, a comment or a thought on that or something you got out of it, put that in the comments. Now, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 because they go together and they're talking about this rest. And I want you to see because I want, you know, today we're talking about how to apply this rest some more. And it says in chapter 3, Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. We are to be partners and partakers of a heavenly calling. That means that we are partners with the supernatural. In other words, he's not talking to you like you're just mere men without a spiritual side to you. He's saying you have a spiritual calling, you have a supernatural nature and makeup, and he's saying that's who I'm talking to. So a lot of times we keep approaching things in the world with a natural means, with a fleshly means, a logical means, instead of approaching them supernaturally. That's where we mess up is we get into thinking, I have to handle this problem physically. I have to handle this problem logically. And, and we get into thinking like that instead of thinking there is a supernatural solution. Remember, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against basically spiritual things, against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And that means there's nothing we face that doesn't have a spiritual root to it. There's nothing. All of these things are spiritual. So we have to, if we're going to fight a spiritual battle, we have to utilize spiritual weapons. Rest is one of those spiritual weapons, right? Peace is one of those spiritual weapons, all right? Verse 2, Jesus he was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all of his house. Verse 3, for he had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Verse 4, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So there's a builder. The question is, in our spiritual walk, and specifically think about this in rest and in peace, in our spiritual walk, in easy and light, is God the builder? Is God the builder or is our upbringing the builder? Is our, you know, fleshing out about something, our frustration with something, is that the builder? Is that who's been building the house? You know, I told that story at the beginning where it was like mad pastor for all those years, and then I got a revelation of it. I'm going to tell you up till that point, Brian's flesh was the builder, basically. And not everything, but in a lot of circumstances, there was a whole lot of Brian's flesh and not God's spirit building that. Well, because of that, I was frustrated because I was trying to handle it. Now, to that point, I was doing the best of what I knew. The issue was I needed to grow. You know, the word says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are going into captivity for a lack of understanding. So I needed more understanding. I needed more knowledge. I was being bound up and I was in lack. 
because I did not understand these things that I'm telling you today. So in that sense, I was building it, not God, and I need to understand that, that God is the builder. All right? Now, keep on going here in verse 5. Now Moses was, a faithful, was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which was to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. In other words, what I want you to see is one person can get paid. Have you ever seen an employee that they'll do their job, but they're not doing anything beyond that. They're not handling all of the business. They're just going to handle their job. Many times an employee mentality will think like this. Well, I'm not getting paid to do that. They won't take ownership of that company. They won't say, hey, if the company does well, I do well. You know, And this is actually a biblical thing where, where you see that if it goes well with the people that are over you, it'll go well with you. The Bible says to pray for your leaders so that it may go and obey them so that it may go well with you. And so we're supposed to be praying for them, lifting them up. In other words, I'm praying that it'll be blessed. Another verse says, pray for the peace of your city that you may be blessed. It doesn't matter if you're in a city that you think has bad government or whatever. Pray for the peace of that city and you will be blessed. I believe that's Jeremiah 29, I believe. And uh, pray for the peace of that. So a biblical principle is, regardless of where you find yourself, take ownership of it in the sense of, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. I'm not just going to be have an employee mentality that just does enough to get by, right? And so here, here's part of what we see. Moses was there as a servant, but Christ was there as a son. He, he was saying, this is my father's house. And he took full uh, responsibility for it. And he took ownership of that. And so verse 7 says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, because he did it this way, right? Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, says today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now I want you to see this, all right? They did not know God's ways. In other words, they went through the motions but they didn't come to intimacy with the Father. See, a servant doesn't become a part with the whole, but a son says, let me carry on the family name. Okay. So in other words, what he's saying is, Moses did well as a servant. He, was, he did well as a servant. He said, but Jesus, our high priest now, he did well as a son. He took on ownership, and, he, and watch this, he took on the character and nature of God. He got to know him, and when he was faced with trials, he didn't walk away and didn't not know God. No, he knew God. He knew what he was doing. He knew what God was up to. He only said what he heard 
the father say. He only did what he saw the father do. He didn't just act as a servant. He made the father Lord, and he took on his nature. Even in the beginning of this book, Hebrews 1, 3. Let me just read this to you because it's a huge verse. So Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Jesus is who it's talking about. It says, and he is the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact representation of the Father's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. So he was the exact representation and nature of the Father. He wasn't just a servant that did what he needed to do, even a good servant that did what he needed to do to get by. He took on the nature of God. He got to know the Father. Uh, even through this world, he had intimate fellowship with the Father. And that's what you're seeing. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying right here is, today, if you hear the voice of God drawing you to something, don't harden your heart to it, but say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. And this is going to come into play in a minute. Verse 12. And, and he said, for the basically, for those people that did not come to me as a father. They saw all my works, and they still chose not to believe. They hardened their heart. They saw all of this, and they still chose not to believe. He said, they're not going to enter rest. And, and this is a principle of the kingdom. Is there something that you want saving in? Is there something that you want saving in that you're believing God for right now? You're, you're believing him for that means we've got to come to him as a son, as a son or a daughter, as a child, and we have to take on his ways and his nature. Look at verse 12. So let, let me say it like this. If you don't take on his ways and his nature, there's no promise of salvation. There's no promise of it. If you don't do it his ways and his nature, there's no promise of being saved in that thing that you're believing for. So a lot of people are like, I want him to save me, but I don't want to do it his way. That's why he said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you because they wanted a savior and they were okay to receive him as somebody that will save them and fix the problem, but they weren't okay to receive him as the director of their life, as the one who tells them what to do and shows them their ways. Remember, to have it easy and light in Matthew 11, he says, come to me. Jesus said, come to me. And then he says, take my burden upon you. In other words, do it my way. Humble yourself to say, I need your help, and then do it my way. And what you'll find is, Jesus says, I'm, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I am gentle. I'll be gentle with you. I won't be harsh with you. And many times, listen, if you ever think that God's being harsh with you, I promise you he's not because that's not who he is. He's not being harsh with you. He's taking you to a place, and here's what's generally going on uh, in, in us. We come to a place where there's a meeting of the minds of our flesh and the spirit of God. And in that place, there's friction and the issue is, it's not God who's being harsh with you. If you can imagine, he is an immovable stone. It's our flesh that we are not dropping that keeps saying, no, I want to do it this way. I want to do it that way. 
That's what's making it hard. And if we will crucify the flesh, it actually immediately becomes very easy and we can go with God. But we've got to rest in that. We've got to drop that fleshly way and all of a sudden we'll realize God wasn't being harsh with us at all. He was actually being gentle. But my flesh was asking God to not be holy. My flesh was asking God to not be God. He is a consuming fire. You bring that stuff in there, you're going to get burned. Just crucify the flesh. Many times when we're not in rest and it's heavy and hard, the issue is our flesh is attached to something that we do not want to give up. And that's what makes it hard. That's the issue. We're not willing to give it up. Many times the Lord will ask you, uh, think about this. Look, at, look in Mark chapter 10 with the, the uh, rich young ruler. What made it hard on him? He became depressed and discouraged because his heart was heavy. What was heavy? What made it heavy on him? He had riches he did not want to give up. He had his flesh attached to those riches and he was not willing to give it up. Do you know what Jesus was offering the rich young ruler? He is the only person, he's the only person outside of the disciples that Jesus asked and said, come and follow me. In my opinion and most people's opinion that have looked at it, Jesus was offering him apostleship. He was offering him that probably, with, with his experience in finances, probably be the treasurer that was to replace Judas, right? He was offering that to that rich young ruler and, and what looks like apostleship. But because that rich young ruler's flesh was tied to his riches, or watch this, tied to a belief system or tied to a thought process or tied to a habit of doing it this way. Well, I don't want to raise my kids this way. I believe it should be this way. And God's saying, no, you need, you need to not spare the rod. You need to discipline that child. Well, I just think that hurts their personality. Well, what did God say? Who's our Lord? See, a lot of times our, our flesh gets tied to a belief or gets tied to some resources. And, and because our flesh doesn't want to let that go, that's what makes it hard. That's what makes it hard. I believe there's many of you that had you walked up to the Lord and he said, sell everything you have, give it all, get, give it all away. You just said, okay. And it would have been easy for you because your flesh wasn't tied to it. Now, that's, that's easy for us to say that in theory. When he actually does that, come back and tell me about that experience and then we can talk some more. <laughs> but it's easy for us to talk about it like, like this. But when the rubber meets the road and you're about to lose your house in obedience, to be obedient with God, it looks different, it feels different, but that's when you really find out who do you trust? Who do you trust? What is it that I have trust in? Well, see, in that moment when we learn how to rest in God, God, I'm yours. And I rest in you. And you know what? Even if all this goes away, you can give it back to me tomorrow. I don't care. I am at so much ease. I have so much dropped and turned over. Cast my cares on you. You know, I just cast my cares on you so much. This is so easy. I'm not taking weight on this. I'm not carrying a burden. All of a sudden, you enter into a place where that restful place is where the grace of God gets access. 
The grace of God gets access to our place of rest. You know, the grace of God has access to our restful place. And so it's one of those things where you start to see that if I will learn how to rest, grace will flow through there. Grace, the power of God, the salvation of God. And so he's saying here, today, if you hear his voice, his voice may tell you. Um, his voice may tell you, he may say, hey, I want you to go do this. You know, I want you, I, his, the voice of the Lord may say this. It may say, no, I don't want, want you to take that new job with a salary that's going to raise your salary four times right now because I want you to stay in this position because you're growing more spiritually than you would in the world. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless you. It means that he's getting his blessing to you, but he's getting it to you in such a way that it won't be stolen later, that you won't have uh, you know, sorrow later. Remember, he wants to bless you, but give no sorrow, right? He wants to bless you, and he wants to bring about your prosperity, but he doesn't want sorrow to, to follow that prosperity. And he knows you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows you in and out. He knows what makes you tick. He knows your inner workings, and he knows what you need to get to the place of abundance and blessing and not have sorrow. He knows how to get you to that place where you don't make that place your Lord that you keep Jesus as the Lord. So that's why it's so important for us to humble ourselves and to follow his lead. So if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart toward it. Well, God's telling me to do this, but I just really don't want to do that. Find the place of rest. Don't harden your heart towards that because your flesh is attached to something, right? This is a major, major deal. All right, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. See, he shows us that a hardened heart is an unbelieving heart. It's, we don't, if we're hardened towards what God's saying to us, then we don't really trust him in that moment, in what he's saying. All right, I trust you to take me to heaven, but I don't trust you to take this other job that I don't want to take in the flesh. But I don't trust you to put my life on the line, you see. So I want to trust you to go to heaven. That's wanting him to be Savior, but it's not wanting him to be Lord. 13, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today. Now, we've already heard this word multiple times, today. There's, an, there's a very important message on the word today in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4. Today, and I want you to pay attention to that. Today, today is called today. Today we are in today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day I don't harden, I don't harden my heart. Today is the day I receive the rest of God. For if we become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke. So one of the things that he's saying is, it's one thing to believe God at a Sunday morning service or a service where the power of God was moving on you. But what about three months from there when God's asking you to do what is godly, but we're not feeling the same emotion? Is he still Lord three months later as what he was that day? 
And this is where many people fall. The, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but many people never fulfill those things because they were moved under the anointing. They were moved under the anointing one day when they felt it, but when they're not feeling it in their flesh, three months later, they don't uphold it. We have to follow that anointing, not just one day, but that anointing of God and the leading of God for the rest of our lives. If he's the Lord, it doesn't mean that we just listen to what we want or when we want. And he's saying today, for who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Verse 19, so we see that they were not able to enter rest, not able to enter salvation, not able to have solutions, not able to have answers because of unbelief, because of unbelief. So unbelief was that hardened heart, but unbelief and a hardened heart is what kept them out of rest. It kept them out of that place. Chapter 4. So now that's the setup for chapter 4, which is talking about, my, my subtitle says, The Believer's Rest. It says, Therefore, let us fear, while if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you, any one of us, may seem to have come short of it. So he now the Holy Spirit is saying this, let us be really paying attention to this and not forget it, even moving to the place where we are fearful to miss this point, right? Rest is not just something that's a good idea. This is a high priority to God. Let us fear that we won't miss it. Let us make sure that we are so esteeming this, and that would be a better way to say this, in today's language. Let us make sure that we are so esteeming rest that we never miss the rest of God. Now, and put that in the comments. We should esteem rest with a high priority. We should esteem the rest of God with a high priority. All right, now, with that thought in our minds, with that thought in our minds, think about this. If I should esteem rest with such a high priority, have I esteemed it in the past enough that I'm showing it in my life? In other words, take my example that I gave at the beginning of this broadcast. When God told me I needed to choose joy, had I esteemed rest up until that point? No, because had I esteemed rest, I'd have been walking in it. So had I been esteeming it properly? I knew about it, I knew of it, and I esteemed it some, but had I esteemed it properly? No. So up until that point, I was being disobedient to what God had told me to do. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but now I do. And that's why we're teaching on this, because I was in a captivity. I was in a bondage and being destroyed in certain areas because I didn't know this. But now we're teaching this so that you won't be destroyed and you won't be in captivity. But the issue is you have to take it and you have to apply it to yourself. So a good question is, if we're going to apply this, 
if we're supposed to esteem rest with one of the highest priorities, then have we been doing that? Have we been doing it? Have you been in rest? Have you been in perfect rest? Has it been easy and light? And if the answer is yes, then glory to God. But the truth is, for most people out there, including myself, I can go higher and rest, and I know it. And it's easy, and it's fun, and it's not hard. Then why haven't I done it? Because my flesh has been tied to stuff. And when God you know, led me to places to believe him, I've... I've wanted to hold on to that fleshly thing that I hadn't crucified. And, but the issue is, this is where the rubber meets the road. I need to recognize, had I actually esteemed this proper, properly, I would be in rest. And if I'm not been in rest, then I haven't been esteeming it properly. That's a change that we need to make. We can't just sit there and go, oh yeah, amen, and never change. We're listening to this. We're hearing this word not so that we stay the same. We're hearing this word so that we can grow. We say it in leadership training. Growth without change is impossible. In other words, if I'm going to grow to the place of rest and the esteem of rest, I have to change. I have to recognize that change. I have to apply these things. All right? So then he says this, verse 2, For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they did also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because the word they heard was not united by faith in those who heard. Now, I want you to see this. In order for any word of God preached to us or any promise of God here uh, to have a benefit in our life, we must mingle it and unite it with faith. We must mingle it and unite it by faith. We cannot leave it laying there. We have to mingle it and unite it with faith. We have to mingle it and unite it with faith. And that's when there's a profit to the word. There's a profit. Uh, there's an increase to a promise. There's an increase to a, to a word of God that he's given us is when we mingle it with faith. And faith is not just saying, I believe it. Faith without works is dead. So if I say I believe something, but I don't actually take action in that direction, I don't believe. I, faith without works is dead. Faith is believing that you have received it. So if I constantly say, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, and I, and I don't believe that I've received it, I have it now. It's manifesting now, now, now faith is, right? If I'm not operating in those levels, I'm not in faith, there's going to be no profit. I can get word from God from God himself, from the throne room, but there'll be no profit because it's not mingled with faith. So when God tells me something, I have to step out on that. If he's telling you, step out into this area, I can't step out into that and then step back. I can't step out in, into that and then do it for a while and then step back. I can't look at that and go, yeah, that looks great, but I got to keep doing this because this is my comfort zone. No, that is a hardened heart towards the things of God. I got to go into it full, full force. I got to go into it with everything I am. I'm all in. I'm all in. And if I'm not all, all in, then I've got to ask this question: Why? Why am I not all in? Why is this? Why am? What's holding me back? Why? And that means something else has lordship in some area of my life, and I need to deal with that. That is holding us back from this rest. 
So what we've done is we've said that he's Lord, but truth be, we've not come to him fully. We've said that he's our Lord. We've said that he's our Savior, but we haven't actually come to him because we're holding back that peace that's tied to the flesh. So we have to mingle the word with faith for it to have a profit. Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said. We have rest when we believe. Now, see that, watch that. Here's a simple thing. Put that in the comments. We have rest when we believe. And, and so you see verse 3, for we who have believed, we, this is a promise of God. We who have believed enter that rest. So I want you to look at my situation that day when I was not having fun and not in joy. Was I believing? No. No, I wasn't. Because the word tells me very clearly, had I believed, I'd have had rest. So now watch this, another indicator. If I don't have rest, I'm not believing in some area. There's something I'm not doing God's way yoked up to Jesus, there's something I'm not doing. There's something I'm not believing. Otherwise, I would have rest. Because when we have rest, we have it because we believed. Uh, see, and that, that is harsh to a lot of people's flesh. I get that. I'm not talking to your flesh. I'm talking to your spirit man that's grabbing a hold of these truths and saying, I will help strengthen this, this person of God to submit their flesh and renew their mind. If we don't, when we have rest, when we believe. If we don't have rest, we haven't believed in some area. There's an indicator. So see, you can go through the word and you can find these symptoms and you can find these indicators and these indicators will actually help you to locate where you are, what's really going on. That's why I said, if it's not easy and light, something's off. If it's not easy and light, something is off. If I'm not in rest, there's somewhere I'm not putting faith. I'm, I'm, I'm believing in something else, right? He says this, he continues, he says, As I swore in my wrath, the unbelieving, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. So his, all of his works, his works are done. After that seventh day, the works are done, right? The works are done. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. See, this is a serious thing to God. He's, not, he's telling us this so that we won't miss the door. He's telling us this so that we won't miss entrance into the promised land, into the promise, into the salvation. He's telling us this so we won't miss it. The issue is that we have missed it many times, but he's telling us so we don't. Praise God. He loves us enough to tell us, hey, that's what you're doing wrong. This is where you're missing. Our flesh doesn't like that. <laughs> Our flesh doesn't like it. You know, put, put it in the comments, a hands up. Whose flesh does not like hearing this? My flesh doesn't like hearing it. Put a hands up in the comment. I, my flesh doesn't like it. You know, why? Because it's telling you that you're, it's telling your flesh that you're wrong. It's telling your flesh that you're missing it. It's telling your flesh that you have a responsibility. It's telling your flesh, flesh, you're going to have to let go of stuff. It's telling your flesh, no, <laughs> no, you can't have that. You know, it's like the little kid. 
You know, well, I want candy all the time. No. <laughs> That's the way your flesh is. And the flesh always acts like that. Yeah, amen. But he said, shut up, flesh. That's a great thing to say. <laughs> That's basically what Jesus said when he said, get behind me, Satan. He was saying, shut up, flesh. I'm not going to be tempted with such things. All right, now look. Uh, and then, verse 6, it says, Therefore, since it, rest, remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today. Put that in the comments. Today. Today. Put it all caps. Today. You know, it's not tomorrow. It's today. Don't wait. It's today. Today is the day. He fixes a day of rest. He fixes a certain time of rest. And that day is today. I can see right now that we're not going to get to the conversation portion. We'll have that conversation portion and answer questions about rest tomorrow. But uh, I, I just wanted to go ahead and let them know and prepare it. But Today is the day of rest. He says, verse 7, he again fixes a certain day today, saying, through David after so long a time, just as it has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. See, that was spoken after they had antagonized him in the desert. That was spoken long after that. So he was saying, there's still a day of rest today. And what we're going to see is, as long as it's called today, as long as today is called today, this is the day of rest. Put that in the comments. Today is my day of rest. It says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now think, of, this is a Sabbath rest. Remember, remember the Sabbath rest that we talked about. The Sabbath rest was a rest where the people of God didn't have to worry about their stuff. Work had happened ahead of time, and on the Sabbath, they could just grab the jar and pull it out of the jar. They had collected. They had done work the day before the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, usually all of the work that they did the day before was worth nothing the next day. But on the Sabbath, the work that they had done before was actually made as a provision, and it was supernaturally supplied. A Sabbath rest is a day where the work of Christ goes to work for us. The Sabbath rest is available for believers as long as today is called today and there's a supernatural provision so I can be in the middle of today in the Sabbath rest of God going, Lord, you're doing all of this. You're building this by faith. Remember, we have to mingle it with faith. Lord, I receive the work of Christ as provision in my life, and I take rest. I take rest in it. And if I'm not in rest, the reason I'm not in rest is I didn't really believe that the supernatural provision of God was there. So I can, I can locate myself 
I can receive for myself through God all through the work that Jesus has done. Verse 9, I'll read it again. And there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Are you a person of God? And if you're not a person of God, you can receive Jesus as your Savior, become a part of the family of God, become a child of God, have an inheritance, and there can be a Sabbath rest for you as well. Today is our day of rest. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So if I'm going to operate in a Sabbath rest, I'm not operating by my own skill level anymore. I'm not operating by my own wisdom. I'm not the builder. I simply am doing the example of what Jesus did. I hear from the Father what to do. I put my hand to it, and the supernatural salvation and the power of rest comes through and does those things for me. I'm not the one healing. I'm not the one delivering. It's God through me. I'm operating in the Sabbath rest of God. The work that Christ did is coming through me, and it's coming into my life. I'm not fretting over things. Problems can arise, just like with Jesus. Storms arise to try and kill him and the disciples. He gets on to them for not being in rest. He says, why, why are you so fearful? In other words, they had not believed the word, let's go to the other side. And because of that, they were out of rest. He believed the word and that faith was mingled with the word and it produced in him a rest. So he pops up and he just releases rest into the storm. Peace, be still. And through rest, there was a... a causeway a flood of the grace of God to handle that storm and dissipate it. So much so that the disciples were going, who is this man? Who is this man? He's the same man that you and I can be as a child of God if we will allow, mingle faith with the word of God and enter into the rest of God. God is calling you up. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this, this, is not, this is not a message that baby Christians get. This is not a baby Christian message. This, it should be more normal than it is, but this is a message because God's calling you up to walk like him, to talk like him, to be the hands and feet of Christ, and you're going to do it because you're going to take this word of God. You're going to mingle it with belief. You're going to mingle it with faith, and it's going to produce, and rest is going to be produced in you. And if you find that you're not in rest, then check your faith. Check that place of faith. Now, watch this. For the one who has entered into in, entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also rested from his work. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It means that the burden of work is not on me. The burden, the toil, it's not on me. Jesus worked. Jesus worked hard, but he didn't carry the toil, the burden of work. It was the Holy Spirit flowing through him. Rest is a conduit of God's grace. And so it says, verse 11, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. What? What? No one will fall? 
What kind of promise is this? <laughs> that no one will fall? That's what rest can do. See, when you see people falling, when you see it, is they are not in the rest of God. They're trying to build things on their own. They're, they're hustling. They're doing everything. And I want to tell you, listen, working hard is, is not bad. Jesus worked hard, but he didn't carry the toil. I want you to see something. Because of the worldly thoughts towards certain things, there's a lot of talk about hustle right now. I'm telling you, our, our, we, have, we have really generated a pretty lazy society so you're seeing the pendulum swing back from that into people's lives that say, you know what, I need to get out there and hustle. But I want you to see something. That hustling, when we're in the kingdom of God, you have to understand that you are not the source of your blessing. God is the source of your blessing. So yes, work hard, but don't take the, the weight of that hustle on yourself. Don't take the burden of that on yourself. No, work hard, fine, I work hard. I work hard, but I don't take the weight of it on myself. And if, I, and if I find that I do, then I try to immediately correct that and turn that right back over on to God. So let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. I'll tell you, if you go out there and you try to hustle and you're doing it on your own power, you're going to fall. There's going to be sorrow attached with it. The blessing of the Lord make us rich. And he adds no sorrow to it because... He, we're not doing that work and we're not getting those things done by our own power and through our own strength and by our own foundation. Amen. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest in a way so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. If we will be faithful, hear the words of God, trust Him, believe on Him, rest will come Rest will come. 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 But if we won't believe them, we will fall because we're being disobedient to the word and we're not putting faith, mingling faith with it. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, doesn't that seem like we're talking about rest and all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden it talks about the Word of God being sharper? Like, it's a, it seems like it's a shift. Uh, can you see that? Can you see, like, what are those verses doing in that passage? It seems odd in the way that it shifted there and changed but they go together and here's what i want you to see the issue is that many times our flesh is so mingled with who we are and our fleshly thoughts and our beliefs and our attachments you remember in um oh uh, gracious what it's in the parable of the sower and i think it's uh john Maybe John 8, maybe not. Maybe it's, uh, oh, it's um, Matthew or Mark 4, I believe it is, and the other one is chapter 8. Anyway, where you see the parable of the sower, it says, it says that the earth and the cares of this earth entangle themselves and choke out the fruit. Many times our cares and of the flesh and our entanglements to the world and our attachments to things houses, cars, 
money, you know, uh, girlfriends, spouses, you know, boyfriends, friends, right? Our attachments to the things of this world are so bound that the issue is we come up to these places where God gives us a promise and we can't enter into the, the promised land. We can't enter into the salvation. We can't enter into the place of the rest because we have stuff that's holding us back. And here's what this looks like. I'm, I'm going to give you a picture because I think almost every single one of us have faced this. We're coming along the timeline of life. We come into a church, and it's a powerful church. You're seeing things. You're seeing the fruit. You're seeing power. You're seeing healing. You're seeing miracles. You're seeing all of this stuff happen. You're so happy to be there. And then all of a sudden, you come up to a place, and you're happy, and then all of a sudden, it's like God asked you to do something. And then, in that moment, your flesh's thought is, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But then you recognize this is God that's asking you, and you kind of go forward a little bit, and you move into a little bit, but then your flesh, and, and here's what we don't realize. We're so entangled in that thing that God's asking for. He's trying to get us to move up and break the entanglement so that we can go to another level. But And what he's done is exactly, actually, if you go on in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11, uh, what he's done is he disciplines those that he loves, and to those that feel the discipline of the Lord, it doesn't feel good. It's sorrowful and even not joyful in Hebrews 12, 11. But then it says, but those who give themselves to it will have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Here's what God does. He looks into our lives. He sees where those entanglements and entrapments are so strong, choking the fruit of God in his life. And he takes his finger lovingly, but he puts it right on that thing, right? And our flesh goes, ah, I don't like this. I don't like this, right? And then at that moment, as you're walking on the timeline of life, at that moment, your pastor who's saying, you can do this. <laughs> You've got this. Put down that flesh. Your pastor becomes the, you know, the banner of godliness, but also the banner of the enemy of your flesh. <laughs> so, yes, he's good. I like your pastor. I, I like my pastor. But right now, I my flesh doesn't like him very much. And he becomes that banner of everything your flesh doesn't like. And it's at that moment, and I, I want you to see this. This is very important because this is how deception works. This is a huge point for anybody who will grab a hold of this. At that moment, your brain and your fleshly side of your brain, your brain is very powerful, your mind, your will, your, the soul, it's very powerful. Your brain goes to work, and it starts trying to fill in the blank. How can I still be godly? <laughs> How can I still be godly? but keep this thing in my flesh. <laughs> How can I do both? And the answer is, very clearly, purely, it is not possible. You can't hold on to the things of the flesh and still be godly. But your brain's trying to find that solution. And, and then, if we're, our mind is not renewed and we think it's okay, we will actually go, yeah, I bet there's a way to do this. I bet there's a way to do this. When we do that, we open the door to temptation. 
when we when we when God has said put this down, but then all of a sudden we say no. There's got to be a way to do it. We open the door to temptation. We don't realize it, but we immediately are, have attached ourselves to a bondage that until it gets broken, we will not go forward. And in that moment, you know, the pastor doesn't have to say another word. He already represents the enemy of the flesh. And while your brain is working on trying to figure out how to do both, while your brain's figuring out how to do both, your brain is also by the flesh because you're paying attention to the flesh and the voice of the flesh, you've turned the volume up on that flesh. Your brain right then in that moment is going, ah, he's the enemy. He's the enemy. He represents, he represents what I don't want. He's the enemy. And before you know it, you go a few days, you go a few weeks, and all of a sudden you're just sour every time you see your pastor. You don't want to talk to him. You don't want to do it. Like something's just not sitting right. And then you know, a lot of times people leave a church at that moment. They'll be like, yeah, there's just not something not right there. No, what wasn't right was your flesh. <laughs> that's what wasn't right. And that, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that happen. And I've felt it. I've felt that. I've, I've been that person that's done those things, and the Lord showed me that. He, I listened to him, and he showed me that, and I went, oh, my goodness, how many times have I done this? And I'm telling you now, that's the way it works. Now, watch this. Watch. In that timeline, you came up to the place where God said he put his finger right on that thing, and he gave you a word, I want you to do this. Watch this. If you'll do this, you'll enter into the promised land of the next level, right? He gave you a word that we didn't mingle with faith. And because we didn't mingle it with faith, we didn't enter into the salvation rest of God. And we can't go any further. We will die right there in that place until we It's the same thing. We didn't. We hardened our heart towards what God said. And because of that, we didn't enter into the rest. So one of the things, I didn't know what the Lord was saying to me years ago. I had no idea what he was telling me. But one of the things that he told me was, Brian, when I bring things up to you, just say yes to me quickly and say no to the flesh. Quickly. If I bring something up in your spirit to deal with, just say yes to me quickly. Hey, and, and I realized, I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And I just made it that simple. If I knew something was God, if I knew that I knew that it was God, I just did it quickly. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't logic it. I didn't think it out. I just did what I knew was God, and I did it quickly. If he was telling me to do it, and do it now. Of course, there's some things he'll tell you that have a timing to them, of course. But what I'm saying is when you know that it's God and you know God wants you to do it now, do it quickly. I don't logic it. I don't think about it. I don't give my flesh time to, to show me its entanglements. I just break it. I just break it. Oh, my goodness, it's so easy. And the power of God, remember, rest is a conduit to the solutions of God. Rest is a conduit to the solutions of God. And so this spiritual rest, this Sabbath rest, it's easy. It is truly an easy button. So why are these? For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Here's the issue. This word knows how to show us 
where our flesh has attachment. It knows exactly. And so what he's showing is, I'm going to give you words, and I don't want you to harden your heart and not, and not be in unbelief, because if you'll believe me, you'll enter into rest. But if you don't believe me, you've got to stay there until you make that change. But in, what God's saying in this passage is, but in order for you to see this, you've got to get into the word. You've got to let the word be your standard, not how you feel about it. How you feel about it makes no difference. How, what your emotions are, how you feel, what the world's telling you, what the wind and the waves, that doesn't matter. What matters is the standard of God's word because it is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the attachments of the flesh, the thoughts of the mind, and I'm able to show you the thoughts and the intentions of your heart so that you can see the actual attachments, good or bad, and nothing can I not see, is what God says. God says, look, I can see everything about you. Yield yourself to me and my word, and I'll show you how to divide that without having uh, uh, hurt from that, and I'll show you how to constantly move up, 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 and stay in the rest of God. Can you see how these scriptures, they're not out of place at all. They're exactly where they need to be. And then it says this. Now, uh, as we go down these roads, I know you, you can kind of be sitting there going, oh my gosh, I am not worthy of handling this. I can't do this by myself. I get that. I understand that. That's why he gives us the next three verses, which are some of my most favorite of all time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, is him, let us hold fast our confession. What's our confession? What is the confession we're talking about? Anybody know? The confession we're talking about is Romans 10, 9 and 10. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. You're the director of my heart. What is he saying? He's saying, I know you're going to hit places on the timeline of your growth where your flesh is going to say, I want to be your Lord. But what he's telling us is, as soon as it's God asking us, Never let your flesh be Lord. Hold fast to the confession of our faith. Jesus is my Lord. He's the one in control. He's the standard. I'll never tell him no. I'll always tell him yes, no matter what I feel like, no matter what I see, no matter what my attachments are to this world, I'm telling him yes, because he's my Lord. He says, let us hold fast to our confession. See, all of this has to do with is Jesus the Lord, and if he is, you can enter into the place of rest. Same thing with Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do it my way, I'm gentle. But in order for me to help you and for it to be easy and light and for you to be in rest, I've got to be your Lord. Jesus is saying, I've got to be your Lord. And you've got to hold on to that. That Jesus is Lord can't just be on a Sunday morning or in a service or in your bedroom. It's got to be every decision point for the rest of your life. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. And if you miss that, you simply confess and say, Lord, I did not keep you Lord in that moment. I repent right now. 
I confess it, and I believe that I have received forgiveness that you remove all transgressions from my life. But in this moment right now, I make you the Lord of my life from this day forward in every decision point, in every matter of life. You are the director. You're the Lord of my life. I will put faith on everything you say, and I will show that by walking it out, and I'll have the rest to, to show for it. He says, look, hold fast the confession of your faith. See, this is the issue with rest is people will say that he's Lord, but when it comes down to a fleshly attachment, that's where they stop, and that's where you see what happens as soon as... What, what's, the, what's the symptom as soon as God's asking you to do something and you pause and don't go straight into it. Instantly, your life gets in turmoil. Rest goes away. But there's a Sabbath rest of God that's a conduit of faith. So even when we're in that turmoil, if we just make the decision, no, Lord, you told me to do it, I'm doing it. And all of a sudden, we step into it. You'll see people doing that during the offering. They'll be like, oh, just get this offering over. <laughs> you know Why? Because he's not the Lord of their finances. You know, if I start talking about, you know, giving up smoking and there's a smoker in the crowd, they're like, oh, I just wish he'd preach about something else. Why? Because right then that foundation's shaking because I'm, I'm tugging on that attachment. I talk about drinking, you know, and somebody will get to that place. You, that's where the Lordship is in something else besides Christ. But when we give him lordship, a rest comes in and a grace comes in because we're submitting ourselves to God. It's a conduit of the solutions of God. We can stay in that rest. I'm telling you there's a supernatural provision in that place. Now watch this. He says, since he says, look, you might be feeling like you can't do this alone. And the truth is we can't do it alone. But with him we can. He says, we have a great high priest. He passed through the heavens. Let us, because we do, let us hold fast. In other words, I'm not putting faith in my own faithfulness. I'm putting faith in his faithfulness. I'm putting faith in what he did. I can say yes to God and no to the flesh because he did what he did. I can do that because he is my great high priest. It's not faith in myself. It's faith in him. This gives me a peace. In other words, I'm going into the situation. You know, when we started Boomerang, I'd never been a pastor before. I didn't know everything that was involved. I didn't even have bylaws sitting in front of me. When we, when we started the church and we started meeting together, I didn't know what that was going to look like. But I knew that with a high priest like Jesus and a friend that shares things, I knew he would show us. He gave us the word. He gave us a word of promise. I'm not going to be found with a hard heart to not start the church. I'm not going to be found with a, with a hard heart to not mingle faith with the word that he said, start boomerang. No, I'm go, I, even though I don't know what to do, and I know I can't do it on my own, I trust you as my high priest who's gone through it all. You're going to show me what to do. You're going to help me. You're going to, you're going to give me the grace that I need, the wisdom that I need. Look, I don't have to fret. And what, what is that? Rest. Oh, glory to God. Do you know what to do? No. <laughs> do you know how to do it? No. Do you know when you're going to do it? No. <laughs> how are you at rest? Because I have a high priest. <laughs> I'm, I'm at rest because I have a high priest who has gone through the heavens, 
who laid down his body for us all and raised to life again. I have a high priest who's broken everything in, in my life that I needed breaking. He's broken every chain. He's broken every bondage. He knows everything. He's created it all. I have a high priest, and that gives me rest. See, when you, when you know this, and this, you can, can you tell as I'm saying that? That's not like presumption to me. That's faithful. I know it. And you can feel that coming through. And that rest will come through. My rest will come through to you. Even if you don't believe it yet, you can draw off of that. The thing is, it's not just meant for you to receive it from me. It's for you to be the own, you know, your own source of it as God generates it in you. So when we feel like we're not capable, that's fine. Of course you're not capable, but Jesus is. And as you attach faith to his word, you can have that. And he says, for we, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows everything you're going through. He knows everything you've been through. He knows where you come from better than you do. He was there. He saw it. But we have a high priest, one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. In other words, he faced all the things we would fail at, fail at without him. He faced them all, and he won. And if I'll take him by the hand, he'll step me right through that winning process too. And so right now, I can just take him by the hand, and I can relax. Oh, glory to God, it's going to be okay. Just say that out loud. Lord, I'm taking you by the hand, and it's going to be okay. Put it in the comments. Jesus, I'm taking you by the hand, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There's a rest there. He says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Not the throne of judgment, not the throne of condemnation, the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice, I want you to see this. We don't find grace to help when we have it all together. We find grace to help in time of need. And all of a sudden, so no matter if we've got it together, see, this is the beauty of it. This is an equalizer for us. I may be talking to some people. They've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and they've got it together. They've been in rest for a long time, and, and it comes easy to them. I may be talking to somebody who's like a teenager. They're, they're doing better, but they're not there yet, and they know it, but it is easier than it used to be. I may be talking to a brand-new believer that, like, it just feels hard all the time. The issue is no matter where you're located in that, you can come to the throne of grace in that moment. You can come to that throne of grace say, Lord, help me. Help me right now. I know I have a high priest who knows where to take me knows where to lead me. I yield myself to him. I'll break any attachment to the flesh as soon as you ask me to break it, and I give myself to you right now. Thank you, Lord. And what happens in that moment? Lord, I take the Sabbath rest of God. As long as today's called, to, called today, there's a Sabbath rest for every believer, a rest where the work of Jesus goes to work on my behalf. He'll tell me what to do. I'll just do it and his power will flow through my vein. His power will flow through me. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, one time I was fasting, I had no physical energy, I hadn't had food for many weeks, and all of a sudden, I just pulled on this grace from my high priest. I said, I need your grace, I need your strength. 
He literally gave me a supernatural strength that manifested physically. I could feel it. I had more energy than I'd had the whole fast, and I hadn't had any calories in. Nothing was going to... I went, whoa, this is amazing. It was the grace of God, and it taught me even more. I can be at rest no matter what I see, no matter what I feel. When I need that, I draw on him as my high priest. I enter that Sabbath rest. His work goes to work for me. But I just have to do what he tells me to do. See, I'd been obedient to fast when he called me to fast. And, and he gave me the strength. Amen. Glory to God. Did you receive something? Did you get something out? This is another one of those messages that you need to hear. There's a whole, whole, whole lot that I just said. A whole lot that I just said. Now, as we're finishing up, I want to pray for you about this rest and for this connection. And so just... Just, if you can, close your eyes, lift your hands, receive right now. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Everything you ask me to do, I will do. You're the director. You call the shot. I ask you to forgive me. And I believe that you took every one of my sins, my mess-ups, my mistakes, and you carried it on that cross And it took you to the cross and the grave. And I believe that even though death, because of sin, wrapped its claws around you, that God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, brought you back to life and made death defeated. Made hell defeated. Defeated death, hell, and the grave and broke every bondage over my life. Because of that, I have a Sabbath rest of God every day that's called today. And Lord, today I purpose myself to keep you as Lord over every decision, over every decision, and enter the rest of God And I receive your grace and your empowerment to do everything you've called me to do. I'm going up, and I am at rest in Jesus' name. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with fire to be your witness in Jesus' name. Glory to God. You'll find that when you do that, the rest of God will come on you and you'll stay in that place of rest. It's not like a on again, off again. Understand that you may have feelings, you may have storms that approach, but you purpose yourself to stay in that rest, to stay in that joy. You put it on on purpose. No, it's going to be okay because Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you right now. I ask that you bless every person. Let that rest be made manifest in every person hearing or watching this today in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, and we praise you. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Part of that rest, amen, part of that rest is resting in his provision as well. And his provision, also, he will give you commandments. And he actually says in Malachi 3, that if we're not tithing, if we're not giving offerings, we are stealing from God. We've robbed him. Right? So he's going to, that means not just in tithes, a lot of times people just focus on tithes, but in offerings we can rob him. 
In other words, he's going to actually give us a command. Now watch this. We come on that timeline. He's going to give us a command, and he's going to say, I want you to unattach yourself from some finances and some resources, and I want you to sow it into the kingdom of God. What is he doing? He's given you, one, an opportunity to sow. Two, many times he's dealing with that connection where that money has been the Lord of our life, and we need to make Jesus the Lord. Now, I don't know what, what position that is with you today, but we need to recognize that moment when God's saying, you need to sow, and you need to sow something significant, or you need to sow in obedience, whether it's big or small. The issue is we always need to sow out of obedience. In other words, Lord, what are you telling me to give today? Whatever you tell me to give, I'll give. And one of the, <laughs> you, you, may, you may think that this is awfully you know, uh, coincidental or whatever, but one of the issues is when he's dealing with us with our flesh, one of the first places that he does it is in our finances. And if you, now what's interesting to me is I know that it's, to God, finances is a little thing in the kingdom of God in Luke 16. It's a little thing. But I know that I can walk in the majority of churches in America. I can start teaching on giving and sowing, and you will see most of the congregation shut down, which means the majority of so-called believers don't even have a grasp of Jesus being the Lord of their money, which means there's no way they're going to the true riches of the kingdom that it talks about in Luke 16 because they don't have a grasp. Money is an area that God uses quite often to break the ties, and many people fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. I remember one time I was preaching. I remember one time I was preaching, and uh, we had somebody coming uh, to the church and visiting. I knew that they had decent, uh, they had decent financial backing in what they did, the business owners, stuff like that, and they were coming. And I knew, but I knew the Holy Ghost had let me know what their issue was. He had let me know that their issue was money. Sure enough, it wasn't long after they started coming, he told me to preach a message on finances. And, uh, you know, now the issue was they were pretending to be very holy and very, like, I know what to do and I know the Bible. And, you know, basically they probably would have never submitted to a pastor anyway because they, they were in a pride until that was broken. But the issue was I started talking about money. That was the last time I ever saw him. That the thing is, uh, there's many times where there's finances on the line and people are attached to them and they're not entering the rest into their life because they, they can't get away from the attachment of finances. And so just, I'm not saying that so that you give today. I'm just giving you that information, how it works. And I want you to be led. Uh, matter of fact, you know, if, if you feel like, this is a pull for money, please do not give today. It's not that. It's I'm giving you a piece to move to another level. If you'd like to give, you can do that at GiveWW. Don't take that off if you would. Um, take, the, take the lower third off. I don't even want it to be up there. Thank you. So if you want to give, you can go to GiveWW.org. But the issue is you, you want it bad enough to go find it. You know, want it bad enough and say, Lord, I want to be obedient enough to go and to go and find it. And I want I want uh, I want to give to you because I love you, not because somebody's taken up an offering and I feel pressure. The Lord says, don't give under compulsion. Don't. But I am telling you that that is an item in an area where God will challenge your fleshly ties. 
He will do that. Why? Because he's trying to take you to a different level, and he's trying to take you into rest. So we've got to get to the place where we are at complete rest. We are at complete rest in the finances, complete rest in giving, and in sowing. We've got to get to that place and stay in that place. We've got to get there and stay there. Uh, why? Because if we don't get there and stay there, we're going to be limited. We're constantly going to be hitting that ceiling. So make sure that you deal with that, that you apply what you learned about rest and how to keep Jesus as Lord. Apply it in your finances as well. If you learn to apply it in your finances, the rest of it can be easy because you'll see the same patterns. You'll come up to something else where he's asking for something. You'll say, oh, he did this in my finance. He'll do this here too. And so learn how to do that. Learn how to be at rest in your giving and your receiving and it'll be awesome. So for anybody who is giving today, uh, I want to bless it. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you bless every seed that's sown, every penny, every penny, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We just ask you for your blessing to be on it, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it be multiplied, increase in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Did you get something out of it today? If so, share it. Watch it again. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to have a conversation about rest, some of the questions. I know I saw some questions come through, some of the things that uh, came through and were talked about. We're going to talk about those, have a conversation with things we've seen and done concerning this rest and the power of God, and we will see you tomorrow. And listen, Buddy's getting ready to tell you about Kickstart. Kickstart coming up in February, February 7th through 11th with Brother Tracy Harris. It's going to be awesome. Kickstart your year the way it should be. Get ready for it. Here's Buddy to wrap it up. Well, Kickstart's coming up. It's February 7th through 11th. I was over here. I was like, he's still my announcement. But it's an exciting thing. So we're going to announce it twice with the graphic. We can bring up the graphic. There it is. Kickstart 2022 is February 7th to the 11th. We're going to have Brother Tracy Harris here. It's going to be awesome. Make sure uh, wherever you are, uh, we would encourage you. We want to encourage you to schedule this time. Make sure you're a part of this, these meetings. If you absolutely cannot be here in person, uh, then we want to encourage you to watch online. But here's the thing. Uh, I'm here because of Kickstart 2020. And I want to encourage you guys to make it a priority to be here because it's going to change your life. I can guarantee you Kickstart 2020 changed my life completely and 2021. And now 2022 is going to do the same. And we want to encourage you to be a part of those meetings. We also want to let you know that Holy Ghost Weekend is coming up here at Boomerang Church. It's going to be not this weekend, but the next weekend. And, uh, and so we want to let you guys know, Friday, 6.30 p.m., we're going to have prayer night Saturday at 1 p.m., soul winning Saturday, and then we'll have Holy Spirit Sunday at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Guys, these are all in amazing uh, opportunities for you to just get closer with the Lord, and we want to encourage you to be a part of this. But, guys, we love you, and we'll see you tomorrow at 11.30 for Lunch Plus. Have a great Wednesday. Bye.